You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Waddle, Waddle! Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown! Okay. It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of, the of the day. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What's up, Dolph fans? Tough one, taking that one on the chin today. Dolphins fall to 8-5 with a second straight loss, a gut punch of a game. I don't have to tell you that. Five takeaways coming your way. McDaniel and Tua Tungavailoa audio from the post game From somewhere in South Florida, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get to the stats of the game, why don't we go ahead and open up with this question that was posed to coach about why the offense hasn't been able to execute on the same level of efficiency and up to the standard they've grown accustomed to this season the last couple of weeks. Here's Coach McDaniel answering that question. Actually going to go ahead and just tell you what Coach said because I just got the audio for that uh, soundbite and it's very distorted. I'm not going to put that here in the podcast because it's not going to sound good for your guys' ears. But he basically talked about how they're not going to point fingers, how it's an extremely disappointing loss, not up to the Miami Dolphins standard. He mentioned how he felt like the Dolphins got out physical. There are things you can learn as a team, which the Dolphins have to with this week and this game, have to learn the hard way, how Miami needs a better performance and that starts with him. And he mentioned once again several times how this is a full committed team who of course is ready to come in here and put the work to get this thing fixed he was also asked if the last two defenses have defended the Dolphins offense differently and he said that does happen every week of course with each team having their own specific game plans and own specific defenses he did say that defensive plans have evolved to a degree but he thought it was more about their plan being better than ours in that phase of the game. Let's go ahead and check with quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who was asked about how the defenses have adjusted to the Dolphins so far. Of course, Tua in this game, not his best stat line, just 10 for 28. You saw the game all, all game long, not being able to get completions. A low completion percentage, just 35.7% for a quarterback who's been near the top of the league in completion percentage since he entered it. 145 yards, that's just 5.2 yards per attempt. Again, not what you've grown accustomed to. The one touchdown pass, no turnovers, two sacks, and a six 65.3 passer rating. Again, let's go ahead and hear from Tua on defensive changes. Here's the quarterback. I'd say I would say there. Well, the defenses that we've we've played have been playing exactly what what we've expected them to play. That they've put on film, um, and you know, it, it really just goes back to the details of how we play our offense, and we're we're not all dialed in with that. So we'll, we have to go back to the drawing board figure this out and you know and gotta gotta keep from losing i mean it sucks so we heard two of stats there not much on the ground game 11 for 37 was raheem mostert leading the way Tua did have three for 28 on the ground we'll talk about that here in just a second looked like jeff wilson was getting things going there uh late in the first half had that fumble that of course was scooped up and picked up or i should say picked up and ran back for 56 yards by Tyreek Hill for that touchdown, but four for 26 before exiting with his injury. 
uh, that he did not return from. Tyreek had 10 targets, just four catches. He's been catching upwards of 75% of his targets this year. Did have the 81 yards. The 60-yard touchdown pass, of course, uh, was the big highlight of the night. Waddle just two for 31 on four targets. Said Wilson caught both of his for 19 yards. And then Sherfield had four targets, one catch. Mostert caught one for seven. Kasicki didn't catch his two targets. Ingle did not catch his lone target. Sanders did get a 55-yard field goal there late. Almost recovered an onside kick. The Dolphins... Uh, special teams unit, I should say, and Morst had punted seven times in this game. As for the stats, I mean, you look at the Dolphins having a chance to potentially recover an onside kick and then go, I, I guess, what would have been 55, 60 yards, 65 yards to, to possibly win that game by a point after a touchdown and a PAT. But you look at the numbers and they do not suggest that the game ever should have been that close. And of course, when you have a, a fumbled punt or a uh, I guess a returned fumble on offense for a touchdown. Uh, you get a turnover on downs inside the five yard line and just really a game that seemed like even though Miami had a chance to win it late was never really that close. And these numbers will tell you that that was kind of the case. 24 first downs to 14. Uh, the Chargers nine for 18 on third down. Miami just three for 11. Here's the big one. 432 yards to just 219. 350 through the air to 127. Uh, 78 plays to just 49. That's a bunch of plays. 84 last week, 78 this week for the Dolphins. Heading into a short week is a tall order. You do have, uh, the Dolphins did get more sacks, four to two in that regard. The penalties even, six apiece, 40 yards on the Chargers, 50 on Miami. But the Chargers, again, kind of like the Niners did, almost possessed the football uh, for double the time. 39 minutes, 38 seconds, time of possession for the Chargers in this game that goes their way, 23-17. Uh, thanks to a late field goal after another long 90, 87-yard drive, whatever it was. That was the Chargers game all night. But we get to the five takeaways here, and I don't, I don't know where else you would go with this besides the offense and Miami hitting what I call a speed bump on, on Twitter because I do believe that when you look at two games out of 17, I don't think two games ever defines anybody. One game certainly doesn't. Two doesn't do much more than the first game does to define somebody. And I've, I know that it's a, what have you done for me lately league? And of course uh, it's going to be rough on social media for the next week here, heading into that Buffalo game. But I, I think the, the story obviously is the offense because you come in with a certain expectation. I mean, I heard it all week long, you know, when I was in the hospital listening to podcasts and whatnot, there was a lot of expectation that Miami is going to put up a lot of points in this game, especially with the injuries that chargers had coming into the game on defense and, and, you know, tip your hat to the Chargers staff and the players that came up with the plan they came up with because it had Miami confused and it challenged routes in a way that we just haven't seen from opposing defenses this season playing, you know, reroute, disrupt, uh, walling guys off, playing that one lurk you heard Chris Collinsworth talk about. And it was a good mix of that where they played that too high shell. And when Miami couldn't run the football and then would bring down that kind of man coverage trail technique, funnel them into the safeties. It's a tough way to make a living for those timing anticipation throws because you have to be absolutely perfect. And it's a high variance of potential takeaway possibility there because of you know, tip passes, or if you're not just, if you're just not like completely precise in that area of the field against a coverage like that, you're going to put the football in a position where the defense can get hands on it. And that can be a dangerous way to live. And so you kind of have to find a way to get the ball to the other eligibles, as we've heard Tua and, and coach McDaniel talk about this year. And you heard Tua talk a little bit about, or we will hear from McDaniel, I should say, talk about the eligibles and being on the same page and uh, just what went what went wrong in this game in the last couple of weeks for the offense. 
but tip of the cap to the Chargers for those two kind of looks they varied with. And this is a Chargers team that mixes it up. I mean, we, we talk in the podcast about when teams run man or zone primarily, the Chargers run a lot of man coverage, but still it's just 50% of the time uh, that they run that man coverage and they were playing it in this game. I, I saw a lot of ideas about the blueprint for how to disrupt this passing game and they did it and they, they mixed it well. They mixed it in good spots. Of course, Miami had some chances to hit some long balls that I thought could have changed the complexion of the game. That first shot, the Tyree kill, I thought we're going to be okay because there was a slight window there. Although that Michael Davis kid, man, what a game he played. Uh, there was a slight window there and he made a great play on the football, had a deep shot to Gasicki that wasn't really accessible. Um, and then we did get the big connection to Tyreek Hill, but the one that didn't go that post route where he crossed the face of the middle of the field safety in that first half. And I don't know if he just lost the ball in the lights and we, we saw Waddle not be able to locate a deep shot uh, on that Sanders 55 yard field goal drive too. So not sure what you would call that, but that first one, the Tyreek, I thought was such a chance to not just make a big impact on the scoreboard, obviously. It could have been a potentially, I don't know what it was, 75, 80-yard touchdown if he if he hauls it in and runs past the safety like you expect him to. But I think it also would have changed the complexion of how the defense had to play because they challenged the Dolphins a lot in that way uh, with that coverage, with that defense. And Miami just didn't really have an answer to it. If they would have gotten that one, I think maybe it softens things up a little bit. But, you know, run game, not working in that way, kind of keeps the Chargers' ability to keep that disguise and flexibility going is a big part of, of I thought, what what caused the Dolphins' offense to start slow, hit some big plays, and ultimately finish slow as well. And the Chargers, what they did to make it tough is something the Dolphins are going to have to look at going forward because takeaway number two is how did the offense adjust after, again, the first half where it was the lowest completions by a quarterback that played the entire first half in a game this year uh, with Tua Tungavailoa, who at one point was 3-for-17 in the game. Man, it's it's just not in the, his typical makeup to play a, a, such a low completion percentage game. He's been so effective in that regard his whole career. You know, not just this kind of breakout year he's had this year, but his whole pro career and even going back to college. But the Dolphins did get the Chargers again on that deep shot, and it was a third and long play. Third and nine, throw it up over the coverage, let Tyreek run by him, and he did. And if the defense, you know, that type of speed, you make one mistake and fall down, which he did, but of of course that has a lot to do with the placement of the football and the route by Tyreek Hill, then you get that big payoff on the back end, which again would have been so crucial to hit multiple of those obviously for, for obvious reasons for the big yards and points, but just to kind of change the the way the Chargers played that game, I thought could have gone a long way. If Miami could have done that more than just one time, you do get that 60-yard touchdown dime uh, on that play, but that was the answer you look forward to the man coverage. I thought you got some momentum there with some throws, a few of the drive starting runs we saw Miami have. Raheem Mostert had an eight-yard run and then follows up with a three-yard first down carry after that. So that's like the equivalent of we talk about drive starting throws, those like 12, 15, 18-yard digs off play action where you know, like Fitz, Parker, and Preston Williams back in 2019 were so good at that, those 12-yard digs to start drives. It's the same thing we can do on the running game. And this this passing game's done all year long too. But when you can get, you know, eight yards, then three, boom, that's a drive starter where you never had to really even put the ball in harm's way, right? Just run the football. Raheem also had a 13-yard scamper. I think it was the following drive that he had that one. You also got the two of scrambles, which were a nice way to adjust to man coverage. Three for 28's no joke, especially two of those being third down conversions. But that only accomplished getting the offense to right around midfield. Then it would start to stall again. And the Dolphins just couldn't really push it past for that. So I think the most important thing is here, 
how do the Dolphins adjust to that? You know, I've saw I've seen it on Twitter talking about this blueprint that has been set from the 49ers defense and now the Chargers and Brandon Staley executing it. Two really good defensive football coaches and Brandon Staley and D'Amico Ryans uh, put together some good game plans here. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel when he was asked about adjustments to when the middle of the field is not open. Tua was 0 for 4 in the first half on middle of the field throws between the numbers. Uh, I did not see the second half numbers. I'll get you updates for that on the Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. But I want to play this answer here from head coach Mike McDaniel about the middle of the field being a challenge to throw to with all those contested routes to Waddle Hill, everybody early in the game and often throughout the course of the entire game. And I love this answer from coach McDaniel talking about the bottom line business and how things have to work and how he feels the Dolphins underproduce their talent and skill level. Uh, it's been a broad generalization, he said, but looks at himself squarely as the person that has to figure this stuff out and doesn't look to blame anybody else when stuff goes wrong besides himself. And he also talked a little bit about how football is the ultimate gut check sport and a gut check league in the National Football League and how Miami's going to have to kind of go back to the drawing board and, and figure out what they're made of and figure out how to get this stuff going back in the right direction, back to the standard they played at earlier this season when everything was clicking offensively. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side and get the takeaways three through five. We'll also do the play before the play. I have three of those, which is kind of interesting, I think, for the first time ever. We'll also do teaching tape and get to the rest of this podcast and get you guys out of here after a tough loss. Dolphins drop this one 23-17 to the Chargers. You're listening to the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Five takeaways from a Dolphins loss at SoFi Stadium. The West Coast California swing brings back two defeats and two opportunities. Miami falls to eight and five. They are still in the sixth seed in the AFC wildcard hunt. They do fall, however, two games behind the Buffalo Bills with a matchup in Buffalo next Saturday against Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills. Takeaway number three from the Dolphins loss at Los Angeles. Third down and key moment struggles on defense have kind of been the story when the defense has struggled this year. They've had their bounce backs. They had their moments in this game where they gave the ball back to the offense, trailing by less than seven. That's an opportunity to go take a lead. And for this offense and what they've been all year long, again, you expect that from the offense. And so when the defense goes out and gets those stops, gets those big Wilkins and Phillips and Kohu and whoever it may be, gets those big plays from those guys man, you just feel like you're missing opportunities when you don't go down and put the, put the ball in the paint or put it through the uprights and get points into those drives. But when it's not going right for this defense, it tends to be these situations where they win on early downs and get first down stops and second down stops. Or maybe, you know, maybe the opposing offense gets a first down, you know, runs it for a short game, gets another first down and second down. But then the defense will like go boom, boom, win, win, third and 12. And then that's where the loss comes. And it's like, you feel like you're in this, you know, 60 play average type of game, like you're winning 45 plays, but the 15 that you lose are costing you at the end. And that's what the takeaway here is, is just these third down and key moment struggles on defense that are 
they're just so gut-wrenching to watch from the couch or wherever you're doing it from. And I'm sure from the sidelines and the player's perspective, it's a thousand times worse than that. But I think the big one that we look at here was a four-point swing at the end of the first half where it's a third and 17 uh, screen pass. They had the right call on for that coverage where they put everybody back in the end zone. I think it was four or three guys rushing up front and the Chargers were able to get a wall of offensive linemen out in space and block that thing up for Austin Eckler to basically go down to the two or three yard line untouched. And then he runs you know, into a tackle and powers his way down to the one yard line, which in, in modern football, you're going to get a fourth and, and short attempt to go for it. And Miami stacked it up on fourth down, but they wound up pushing him across the goal line. That's a massive, massive play right before the break there. Four points going into the half. It's, it's a huge, huge momentum swing, and it came from a third and goal at the 17-yard line after the defense did so well to back them up and you know push them into a field goal spot, most likely until that 16-yard gain comes. But even from the start, like the 15-play turnover on downs possession, you know, that stops at the two yard line, third and 10 twice, one with a penalty, one with a one-on-one shot to Mike Williams going up against Xavier and Howard. Man, I thought X is going to pick that ball off when it left Justin Herbert's hands, but he makes a play going over the top of X and, you know, physical battle down the field and Williams won that one. Third and five in the next drive before the Wilkins sack to get him off the field. But that conversion was a route to success they took frequently, I thought, where the rush would you know jump inside and lose that edge contain. And then Herbert would kind of do that wide roll around where he would be able to you know progress towards the line of scrimmage and attack it with the thought of throwing the football as he did that. And he entered the night second in the NFL in total QBR. Uh, throwing the ball outside the pocket. And he made Miami pay there time and time again, getting hemmed inside that he would loop outside and make that play. And especially on third down, that was tough to watch. The very next drive, they hit an explosive run on third and short, third and inches to be exact. They do get a stop on the Eric Rowe third down sack, but then it's another long drive aided by big plays and big moments, man. Third downs, that man beater where they motion the guy across the formation, see our guy chase him all the way over there and just rub that natural rub off the, the bunch set from the formation, a little wheel route, and it's a quick catch rock throw. Balls out three, five yards whenever you need it on third and short. Converted those, it felt like, all night long, except for a couple times they adjusted to it. Then, of course, that you know the third and 17 screen was on that same drive as well. But all night, Miami just made play after play. It set up these big chances, and the Chargers just kept winning those chances to the tune of 9 of 18 on the night on third down, one week after allowing eight third down conversions, albeit on 19 tries, so a better percentage. But yeah, it's tough to win. 17 third down conversions allowed the last two weeks. We do get a couple of stops, two of them on the drive with the Phillips ref and the passer call. It's really too bad that, that sack got wiped off the board because that was a great rep. Then another three and out after the field goal drive following a long play to Mike Williams. And that's a big play, isn't it? I mean, offense just cut it to three. Boom, second play out there. The guy goes and makes a play over our guy. It's just when you really was, would think like down by three, maybe we get a quick three and out here. Maybe you get a turnover and get the ball back to the offense. They can stay in that rhythm. Just didn't work out that way. And then finally, the, there was an adjustment on that little rub wheel on the third and eight on that Chargers field goal drive uh, with the corner getting over the top of the motion to wheel. And we had an answer for that. So that was good to see an adjustment there. But uh, Herbert had to go to a second option there and threw it over the back of the end zone. And then that final Chargers drive, I mean, 20 to 14, late into the fourth quarter. That should be an opportunity to, you know, like for the offense to be like, we're going to have a chance here again, even though it hasn't been our best night. 
but it didn't turn out that way because two third down conversions and then late putting the ball deep into in the scoring territory and then that fumble to not be able to recover that and then an onside kick that we had a chance to recover again. I was certain the Dolphins had recovered that onside kick and from there, who the heck knows, man. I'll take our chances there even if it's been a rough couple of weeks offensively. You just don't get it, but again, it's it's a tough way to make a living when you when the defense or I should say the opposing offense is able to execute like that in those critical moments. Tough way to find victory when that happens. It allows for extended drives, which reduces your offensive chances on a night where you needed plenty of those, clearly. And it leads to points, obviously. And it leads to a lot of snaps played, which makes it hard to defend in the fourth quarter, which we've seen this year in, in the losses. The Bengals game, the Jets game, the Vikings game. I mean, the, the fourth quarter defense is where teams could mount those long drives and get points. And it's it, obviously, to me, it has a lot to do with you know, the offense not being able to carry it over, but those big third down moments where you can't get off the field, it's it's tough to play that way for 60 minutes. To me, it's like a pitcher who, you know, he might have five innings of one run work, but he's thrown 90 pitches and 70 of those are high stress because guys have been on base all inning. It's tough to, you know, get through the back part of that, you know, the third time to the lineup, so to speak, when you've played that way. It's it's kind of reminds me of how the Dolphins defense goes in these nights or in these games like this. And so it, it really has to get fixed by Saturday because that's one of the toughest, most high-powered offenses there is in the NFL with Josh Allen and that Bills offense. So we'll see if Miami can get that fixed. Takeaway number four, the individual efforts of three players that I thought were fantastic on defense, Christian Wilkins, Cater Kohu, and Jalen Phillips. Wilkins has single-handedly stopped multiple drives with sacks, uh, immediate pressures or forced throwaways, tackles for loss, Cater Coe, who had the great open field stop on the turnover on downs on fourth and goal to make a crucial play there. Then another one where he's all alone in space. You know, guys are way beyond the sticks. There's Cater Coe, who at the sticks, rallying up to make a tackle on third and 12 in the wide open space to open up the second half. So Wilkins had big plays all night. Coe, who had big plays all night. Jalen Phillips should have had a multiple sack night. The roughing call took one off the board. Would have given him seven on the season. How about the play before the play, too? We'll talk about that here in just one second. But we'll see on the advanced stats and all these guys. I know they're going to be very good numbers as far as run stops and pressures. And I'm sure their grades will be good, even though we don't, you know, don't really care about the grades so much, um, except what the Dolphins coaching staff says about the grades. But stats-wise, from the box score, Wilkins had nine more tackles a week after he had 12 last week. He adds a sack to that total. How many TFLs did he have? It, I have at least two here on my sheet, but we'll see about the final count uh, in the box score, or I should say um, in the game book after the fact. Cater Kohu, eight total tackles in this game. Phillips had six tackles, one sack, could have had two, and at least one TFL. My fifth and final takeaway is that complimentary football just hasn't been there. And it's even on plays where the Dolphins get stops and have a chance to flip the field. It just hasn't gone that way. It seems like other punters are crushing these long balls that, you know, the gunners get down there quickly and it's a fair catch. And all of a sudden the field's flipped 50 yards or vice versa, where we get a penalty somewhere or we don't cover a kick or the ball checks up and bounces the wrong way. It's just, it's, it seems like there's been some yards lost in the margin there consistently in that phase and then offense like and defensively just they never responded at the same time where like the offense would go finally make a drive and then the defense would give it back with that long play to Mike Williams on the field goal drive it's just it's frustrating when you can't get the, those things put together in a complimentary fashion because that's how you win football games Dolphins did it early in the year last two weeks haven't done the same uh, in that regard and it's been a killer but also this takeaway is also sort of twofold here because you know, teams are going to go through slumps at various points of the season. We've seen the best teams in the league this year 
lose to bad teams in terms of their record, teams that, you know, haven't stopped other quarterbacks and all of a sudden they're stopping these top of the line quarterbacks. It happens every year, every season at some point of the year. It just came for the Miami Dolphins at an absolutely awful time from every perspective. The standings, we talked about the, you know, on the um, the preview show, the New York Times article or the New York Times stat model that tells you playoff odds and predictability in Miami could have gone to 94% with a win. It dips down to 71% on a loss. That obviously is the biggest part about it all, but also a national stage, a big game, you know, for people to see it, all that stuff. But it's, it's going to be how they come out of it. Like, if they find an adjustment and if they do come out of it, nobody's going to think about these two games or these two weeks when it matters, you know, in a month from now, if that's where they wind up, you know, putting themselves. That's, you know, if they don't do that, then that's not a very fun scenario because then you have a whole other thing you have to talk about. We will get into it about the way they responded to the adversity in a negative or positive way. But what happens next is the real story here is what I'm trying to say. And I think that, it's easy to lose sight of that. And I'm not trying to tell you not to be mad as a fan because it sucks and you had these expectations and you're eight and three and you lose a couple of games in a row and you have a tough game on the road next week. And I can see how you're thinking like, man, what the hell happened to this team? But just know that this game, this sport turns out weird outcomes and things come up and things go down. Look at the pregame predictions from SNF. Everybody picked the Dolphins and that didn't happen. So football things happen slumps happen we'll see how Miami bounces back that's the most important thing and I really enjoyed head coach Mike McDaniel's comments after the game regarding uh he was asked about Tua Tungavailoa's performance but he really got into more general talking about how football is a humbling game people adjust to certain things and present certain issues and he said there's a handful of plays where he'll look at the tape and say the quarterback probably think like man couple of plays left out there handful where they'll look at the eligibles and say could have made a play there for you and some in pass protection as well just said collectively I think we just aren't playing together as an offense in the way that I'd like you want to continue to progress and be your best in December and January he talked about how they've had a lot of reps and should be better and he said it's a cool time to see what we're all about right now as the Dolphins have a chance to go out and prove what they're all about uh, to get better and get this thing fixed and and get again get the offense going right back in the direction that we all want to see it going back into, which was the case just a few weeks ago. All right, let's go ahead and take our last break right here and come back and do our final two segments, play before the play and teaching tape. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Final segment here on a recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and do what we always do here on the show and talk about the play before the play and the teaching tape, and we'll go ahead and get the heck out of here. Uh, The play before the play, I had three options here that I wanted to look at, and two of them were of the positive ilk, and one was of the, man, that that was costly. And the one of the costly action was the third and goal screen for the Chargers right before the half to put them at fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Just thought that was the most critical portion of the game, and it happened to be a play before the play because if Miami gets the stop on fourth down, then Jerome Baker and I forget the other person that held him up, but Jerome Baker, I think it was Eric Rowe, 
but Jerome Baker's big tackle of Austin Eckler at the one-yard line, that becomes the play before the play, but instead it goes to the Chargers' favor. The two for the Dolphins will be Jalen Phillips and the second and one TFL to put Miami in third and three, or I should say the Chargers in third and three offensively, which the Chargers only gain two on and then punt the football back as a huge time play from Jalen Phillips, who again was awesome in this game. And how about the Tua scramble? I know it was two plays before the touchdown, but it's easier to get that type of coverage on Tyreek on third and five than it is third and 10, or especially if it's third and 15 and he takes the sack when the pocket broke down. So Tua's first down scramble to put the Dolphins at second and five, get a no gain on the run, and then the third and five touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Those are your plays before the play. My teaching tape in this one goes to Tyreek Hill, and what else would it be besides keeping with the play, keeping his eyes in the football, and then springing right into action the moment he saw that thing squirt out of the pile. He scoops it, and once he took off, it was game over. You knew that it was for a 56-yard touchdown. Just how crazy was that play? Uh, emotionally, how would you guys feel about that? Because like it was a, such a big play in the game, but I kind of felt like, I don't know, like it was not that it was fluky. Yeah, it, I guess fluky is the right word, but I just didn't really know how to react to a touchdown like that. I guess I've never seen one like that. So uh, didn't have a, a normal 56-yard touchdown reaction to your star wide receiver, that's for sure. And I've also put in here that Christian Wilkins, again, he does this all the freaking time, man. But when he chased down Austin Eckler after like a 15-yard play, down the field. He does it every single rep that goes either wide or completed in the short intermediate area behind him. And I just love watching every single week. He has been among Miami's best players this year, and he's he's just been a lot of fun to watch. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Tough game, tough week. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for the All-22 review episode, and then Friday for the preview of the Buffalo Bills game. Again, this is my second week of some time off with the family. Uh, but in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. We do our weekly Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. And of course, the post game show, they are holding the fort down on this particular game and next week for y'all. And then I'll be back for the Packers game. Also, the YouTube channel has media availabilities. It has Dolphins Today. It has plenty of Miami Dolphins content in general up there as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline and Cameron, daddy's already home. <laughs>